Hola amigos y amigas. Join me for some cafecito, comadreando, and a little bit of chisme with my good friend and neighbor, Janelle Reyes-Chase. She's a mom, businesswoman, historic home savior, lake life apostle, and fellow stray pet refuge. Grab yourself a cafecito and pull up a chair for a little comadrazo right here at Panaderia Jimenez in the heart of the Deco District in San Antonio, Texas. I am here having coffee right here in the neighborhood in Panaderia Jimenez, right here on Fredericksburg in the Deco District. And I am having an horchata latte. So look at how yummy this is. It's got like cinnamon and whipped cream and everything. And I have my fabulous neighbor Janelle here. I'm hearing tons of feedback, so I hope this is recording okay, but... We are back doing Cafecito con Comadre every other week. So I am super excited. We're going to just here to just chat with Janelle. Let's talk about what's going on in our community and all that. So tell me what you're drinking. Sure. Um, an Americano, um, just a little bit of cream. It's just uh, espresso and water. <laughs> you have so much more... Um, self-discipline than I do because they say whipped cream and I'm just like, yes, <laughs> please, whatever. Yeah. I, just, I just drink French press coffee at home. So this is closest to it. Well, I drink cheap coffee. Like, <laughs> like my coffee is like Mr. Coffee. Drip. <laughs> <laughs> so we've known each other now for how long? Well, I moved into the neighborhood or back into the neighborhood in 2018. And I met you pretty much right when we moved in. Yeah. So I know in our neighborhood, we have this really active Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And I remember you were like all of a sudden posting on everything. And <laughs> I, I was know like, what was going who on is then? this Janelle girl? <laughs> oh, yeah. We were inviting people to, we were hosting events in our house. Yeah. And I just wanted to. Yeah. And it's so into cool community. because Janelle's <laughs> house is like literally facing Woodlawn Lake. So yeah. all these people are like, you know, wanting to set up their, their picnic tables and everything for all of the events. And you're like, yeah, let me just open the door and put out some chairs. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have beers, bathrooms, whatever. <laughs> so we were blessed to go to many of your events. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thanks. talk about the solo stove getting stolen. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, we host, um, day of the dead, 4th of July, um, Earth Day Fiesta event that's held across the, the lake. Whenever there's something big going on at the lake, we host a party for friends and family so that they can enjoy the lake, but also have access to, you know, our bathrooms. They can have a drink at our house and then cross to the lake and enjoy the fireworks, um, whatever's going on that the city puts on. Um, so the last event was, I think it was Day of the Dead. Um, and we had our solo stove out in the front yard, we put it out there have a fire with friends. And, um, we kind of just left it out there. Um, we also have a lot of yard furniture we have out in the front yard. And so we just didn't think <laughs> that anything would happen. We have cameras. And so we were like, you know, who's, who's going to mess with things. So we left it out there. And then the day that Ian came home and said, I'm going to put it back in the backyard, it was just gone. So um, I looked at her husband Ian's her husband. Sorry. <laughs> and so when we looked back on the camera footage, there was a man um, in a white truck who just came by, saw it, 
threw it in the back of his truck and, and took off, but he left half of the solo stove. If anybody has one, how they work is they're, they're flameless and you need the bottom pit part of it to suck in the air to make it flameless. And he left all the good parts to the fire pit. And so we were like, Hey, <laughs> if you're going to steal something, you know, take the whole thing. So we taped it to the sidewalk and he never came back for it. So I don't, it's, it's basically you were like thief shaving. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, it, he just took off with a cylinder, you know, pit and nothing that is beneficial to it. <laughs> so that's crazy. And I mean, for the longest time you have these big wicker sofas, yeah. but from far away, they look like they're concrete. And yeah. so I always thought that was why they never got stolen <laughs> yeah. because they were concrete. And I had never um, sat down on them until one day that we were there, like um, around the fire. And I was like, oh, these are wicker. Like anybody could just pick these up. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have the wicker. And then we actually, well, we do have a concrete table in the front and just regular chairs. But yeah, we've kind of tightened down our security now that we've had people come onto the property and steal things. Um, so that's tied up now. And we have to, you know, untie it to to it's it's like having a restaurant on a on a main street you have to yeah. tie everything up um but you know it's one of we live on a busy street it's you know the heart of the west side area so it there's pros and cons <laughs> there's a lot of people passing through yeah sticky fingers <laughs> i know i it's it's kind of like when i explain to my airbnb guests um that they have to lock the gate every time that they go in and out and they're like you know why but our our neighborhood is like right on that cusp mm -hmm. and so you have 500 to 700 thousand dollar homes yeah. on this side and then on this side you have you know people living in you know broken down quadruplexes yeah you know, and, um, and government housing and such and, yeah and i taught in the area so i, I love the community so much mm -hmm. um I think it was just kind of inevitable for me to come back to the West side. It just, it reminds me of home. It reminds yeah. me of growing up on the South side of El Paso. So, yeah. so tell me about your growing up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, now we live on, on the historic side, but when my, so my, my family comes from the South and the West side. So my mom, you know, she went to Burbank, grew up on the South side. My dad lived here on the West side his entire life. He went to Jeff. Um, but when he and my mom split up, he bought a house on Cincinnati. And so I was south of the lake. Um, and so grew up over there. And at that time, um, this was, you know, early 90s um, into very early 2000s. By then he moved out to the great northwest area. Um, but, you know, in the in the early 90s, um, there was a big shift in the west side. Um, you know, it, for a long time, it was just working class families. Um, maybe a little bit rougher, but but pretty safe, you know, like families took care of each other. Um, but then as the gang problem increased through the 90s, um, so did violent crime in the area. And so we went, we stayed for as long as my dad felt okay. But as it got worse, by the early 2000s, he was like, we're out. Um, and so, you know, my grandma stayed through it. My other aunts, some of them also left to the great Northwest, but some of them stayed here. Um, and some of them developed land off of Bandera. And so, um, when I came back to San Antonio, um, after living in, you know, other cities and other countries, I knew that I wanted 
to live central. I didn't want to live in the suburbs. I wanted to um, be, I wanted downtown to be accessible, but I didn't really want to be in the heart of downtown. I still wanted a yard, I still wanted those things. So we moved back to San Antonio and we had originally moved back to the south side where my mom's family's from, but because they had all migrated north, I was, I felt so removed. I feel like San Antonio's like four mini cities in one because, yeah. you know, even though it was only 20 to 30 minutes from the south side where I was at to where my family on the north side was, it just seemed like I wasn't seeing them enough. So um, when my husband and I started looking for homes together, we looked on this side because my dad's family is all in one spot and they're all here on the west side. So we wanted to be here. And then it's also only, you know, a five miles from where my mom and my grandma are. So um, it seemed like a really good spot to settle into and, and reconnect to family because I'd been gone for 13 years. Um, and so we found our home, like I said, right on Woodlawn and um, just, you know, laid down roots and, and been there since. But I really love the West Side because I feel like how you were talking about, you've got, you know, the homes that are, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 on this side. And then you have these, um, you know, 300 and up on one side. I feel like there's a lot of merging of that going on right now. Um, a lot of people who grew up on the, the south end of the lake are now coming back to San Antonio or maybe they've stayed in San Antonio. But, you know, economic changes for them have been, you know, they've changed their, their family's economic stance. And so they've moved into, you know, what is now like what they saw as like the desirable area to move in, but it's also making a change into parts South of the lake where that's changing to people are fixing up those homes and people are, you know, I, I mean, I, breaking, I guess you could say generational curses of poverty. Yeah. Um, and so it's really exciting to, to see not only that, you know, but just the positive changes of businesses reinvesting, in our area because for a long time this area was neglected everything was being built on the loops and so if you wanted to do anything you had to go out to the loops to entertainment dining those kind of things and i feel now that residents are reinvesting into the the core of san antonio businesses are responding by also investing and in, in opening up um businesses where people want to meet people like here where we want to meet and hang out and and spend our money in our own community. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you can like literally on a Friday night, you know, you could go have dinner at the Ford couple, have a couple of glasses of wine, come play um, some games over here at Black Potion, then maybe go listen to some live music across the street at Deco mm -hmm. and then walk home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is right here. So, yeah, I, I love that a lot of the business owners either grew up in the community or they moved back to the community specifically because this is where they wanted to plant their business. So, yeah. Um, reinvestment into this area. Um, I, you know, like I said, I've only been here since 2018 when I came back, but um, just from 2018 to now you can see how, how much the business development here has impacted the, the real estate and how it's attracting younger people to move in. Um, people are wanting to see the, you know, I, I don't think there's a big push to see a, like a St. Mary's strip style yeah. nightlife, but something in between that and what we have now, people want to yeah. be able to walk to yeah. dinner in, in a bar and have more than one or two options. They want, you know, a couple of them that, um, you know, 
kind of service our our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, which we have like with the lighthouse and and you know, it'd be nice to see some other businesses like that where they're having um I guess you could say a respectable <laughs> business, you know, coming in because yeah. we, we don't want like the, the bar fights and the bar problems, yeah. but we do want places where we can hang out. There's no, no drama. <laughs> and I think that's one of the biggest objections is, you know, just what is this going to attract? Mm -hmm. um, I know there's a new bar popping up, right? Actually right across the street. Mm -hmm. um, what is it called? Dar bar. Um, so yeah. I don't know. We haven't um, been in there yet, so I don't know about that one. Looks like um, they're still under construction. And yeah. from what I know from the the building, it, it right now it's only a hookah lounge. I don't think they've they okay. think they're starting to talk about rezoning possibly for alcohol sales, but that has not been brought up to zoning yet. Okay. So um but you know, if the owner reaches out to the community, it would be nice for them to introduce themselves. There's been some chatter on the, yeah. you know, on the, the Facebook pages about, you know, what kind of business is this? Is, you know, is is the a smoke lounge going to um, attract underage, you know, vaping and stuff like that? And I think, you know... Because I've I've gone to I'm not a, a smoker or a vapor, but I've gone to these lounges before, uh -huh. and um, especially when I was in Germany, there's a big uh, Turkish and Middle Eastern influence there, and you know these how it was there was these places where it's like a coffee shop. It's it's somewhere you meet somebody, and some people you know, will use hookah, but some people are just there to hang out and music and, and socialize. And so if the owner could maybe reach out to the community and say, you know, I'm not here to support any kind of, you know, underage vaping, or I'm not here to attract teenagers. I'm here to attract, you know, adults who want to meet up and have a good time. If you don't know what hookah is, come out, try it. You may hate it. You may like it, but just be open-minded to, uh -huh. you know, give it, give it a try. Um, so I think that it's good to see um, other, you know, businesses investing in the area and hopefully if they are good um, stewards <laughs> of the community, yeah. they will reach out and um, ensure and, and give the people some confidence that they're here to make an improvement and not bring in things that the neighborhood doesn't want to see. Yeah. So, so let's kind of segue into, we talked about like influencing teenagers. Mm -hmm. You have two teenagers. Tell I us do. about that. Like <laughs> yes, what, what's, so. what's the challenge? Like With my kids are in their thirties now, so I'm already past that. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of the challenge that it's, that's always been, you know, when I was a teenager, it was underage drinking, drugs, you know, you name it. Um, kids were doing it <laughs> and it's the same thing today. I do think though that this younger generation it, even though there's a big um, a concern about vaping um, and there's a population that is vaping, I do think that as a majority, all the statistics say it's actually less, that Gen Z is doing less drugs, they're, they're using less alcohol, um, and they're not having as much sex. So, um, you know, the statistics all say those things. Um, I know when you're dealing with a teenager, you might be seeing something different, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, statistically they are actually better than, you know, uh, millennials and, and older were. Um, but, uh, with my own kids, my position has always been, you know, I cannot be there all the time. At some point you need to make 
your own decisions, whether they're good or they're bad. But what you need to realize is, you know, when you make these decisions, it could impact you for a short time or a very long time. Like my kids, um, you know, they are ones in college and ones on her way there. And, you know, I would say financially, you know, we could help them out a little bit when things are, if they got into trouble, but I want them to understand that it's not just, you know, that's a big deal. <laughs> like right. if you lose your scholarships, if you lose yeah. your, um, if you have some type of actual criminal charge that we have to yeah. defend, that's a, that's a financial strain you're bringing onto the family. And so those are long-term impacts that don't just impact you temporarily, but that could impact your job and your financial you yeah. know, success. So I think those conversations are important to have with teenagers just to put that responsibility in their hand yeah. so that they're like, you know, I'm making these choices, but I'm also responsible for what happens. Yeah. And so, um, you know, my oldest in high school, when she was in high school, um, she didn't really have any troubles with like the drinking and, and the vaping or anything like that. But she had some, you know, senioritis <laughs> where she was skipping school and, and, you know, she had to learn from that experience. And now my youngest, you know, is, is kind of meeting all of these, these same, um, things that all teenagers meet with, you know, school attendance. Um, again, she's not too much into, she's never, she tried vaping once, but it was not for her. So, <laughs> um, she, you know, and, and I think it's important that kids do learn those lessons on their own and that you're there for them to say, you know, I don't approve of this, but if, if something happens, you can come to me. And so that's kind of how the conversation went. She, she was like, everybody's vaping, you know, I'm going to do it. And I was like, you know, why you, you have asthma, um, you play sports, like how is this beneficial to yeah. your life? And yeah. so, um, you know, she tried it out and then she was like, mom, you know, <laughs> you were right. And I was just coughing. It made basketball hard. And I was like, well, I'm glad, yeah. you know, I'm not happy you did it, but I'm glad you come to realize that it, yeah. it was not a good choice. And then from now on, you're making better choices. So I think, you know, sometimes they have to experience things and learn things from life. And then other times you can try to protect them as much as you can, but they're ultimately going to learn from life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of my um, approach to handling those difficult. Uh, I think for parenting. me, like my, my most stable child <laughs> is the one that was spent her entire twenties, 12 hours away from me. <laughs> she's like totally stable now yeah. So. yeah um well it's funny because my oldest as a toddler was really easygoing never really went through the terrible you know twos threes and then so we were like all right this is this is easy like this uh -huh. and let's have another one <laughs> yeah, yeah and then that one was like the crazy baby crying uh to terrible twos terrible threes all the way into like terrible fives <laughs> but then like in high school and they're both in high school the oldest one and starts you know like i said the senioritis and skipping and i'm trying to get you know the little one to school too and so it kind of just threw itself the other way they had it's like cycles the older one was rebelling and the younger one was still you know, she was actually like doing everything she's supposed to do. She went from not really caring about academics. She, you know, was kind of like a BC student to once she got to high school, she was like, Hey, it matters now. I'm going to be an A student. Yeah. And so she kind of flipped and then we were the rebelling one. And now the oldest in college is doing great. Like she's, you know, 
doing her grown up life thing and she's excelling at it. And so it's funny. Except she still brings her laundry home. Yes, she does bring her laundry <laughs> home. So yeah, it's funny to see that, you know, what you might have thought about is like the easier child or the more compliant child. Um, it, there will definitely be <laughs> uh, cycles of that. So um, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they throw <laughs> throw things out there that you don't see coming. <laughs> That's us right now with our with our dogs. Like Navi is the needy one, always needing attention. But which one is the one that got us into trouble this week? Is that was Jerry. So yeah. So for yeah. for my viewers that don't know this story, I'll probably put it on social media somewhere. My dog bit a bat that fell out of my attic this week. And the fat tested positive for rabies. Oh my and goodness. so I didn't tell you. No, not that part. Yeah. I knew he so, bit a bat, but I didn't know that. Yeah. So we tested. just got the test back yesterday. So I was like on the phone with the health department, with animal control, with the whole city, everybody and their grandmother. And um, he has to get, uh, well, they were supposed to get a booster, but the vet said that now the recommendation is to get them um to get them a whole full vaccination shot. And then they get a booster in three weeks and another booster three weeks after that. Wow. And then they're quarantined. Basically they cannot be in contact with anybody human or yeah. canine um, for 45 days. Wow. And then we just basically watch them. And if they start doing something like really weird, like they said, banging their head against the wall or they get into like a little space and they can't figure out how to get back up, then we need to worry Wow! because it's basically like going to attack their brain. Yeah. So, wow. That's, uh, yeah. but I'm okay. They said that as long as they didn't bite me or lick me or anything like that, that I, I should be fine. And the only way that I could pass it on to somebody is to bite you. <laughs> so not planning on biting you. <laughs> wow. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always something with these older homes yeah. and, you know, just there's, holes that animals critters get into yeah. and um yeah <laughs> so tell us about all of your porch pets that you have adopted yeah sure so well they're not they started off as porch pets and now they are um full-time inside but um mr red is our our dog um he originally came from when we were living on the south side um, he was a, uh, dumped dog. And so we brought him in and he's been with us since about 2017. Um, and then when we moved to Woodlawn, it's a much busier area for, um, unfortunately dumping. Um, people have kittens and yes. they just don't know what to do with them. So instead of taking them like, to I just don't shelters, understand that mentality. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a bunch of random dogs running around. Go join them. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, who does that? Yeah. So um, Mr. Red uh, is a single dog dog. So we are full on that end. But we are now up to four cats because of people dumping animals um, at the lake. So um, we brought two kitties with us to Woodlawn. And then a kitty during the middle of the pandemic was crying on our porch and we brought him in and took him to the vet and became ours. That's the one we call little baby. And then just recently about um, maybe 
four or five months ago now, we um, had another kitten. Just We were sitting in the um, living room, which faces the lake, and Ian said, there's a kitty out there, and Ian loves cats, so <laughs> he immediately ran over there and picked him up, and he was a sweet little kitty, and so we stayed there at the lake asking people, you know, is this your kitty, and nobody claimed him, so we, we also took him home, and that's how we have four cats and a dog. Hopefully you're full now. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, you know, it's, um, vet bills, the, the food and everybody's grain free. So yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, I just got mine on insurance. So I'm hoping that that works well because, um, it was a lot cheaper to insure Nobby because she's only a year old. And, um, but you know, we went through so much with Papa Smurf and just all of those expenses, um, yeah. so they say if you start it early that the premiums stay low. So we'll cross okay. our fingers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, we have just been lucky that our kind of attitude on <laughs> adopting all these animals is they came from the streets. We're giving them a good life with good food, good, you know, gloves yeah. and cares. And as vet bills come in, we just handle it as they come in, but hopefully, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, if that's a good, does Mr. <laughs> Red like to go out in public? Like, do you take him to like beer gardens and stuff? No, he, um, He's unfortunately cannot. Social so, yeah. He cannot go out in public. The only thing he can do is he can go, um, camping, <laughs> uh, yeah. and he can camp and he likes to do that. He loves water. So he, we can take him to the river. We can take him to the beach. Um, and he's good on leash. Um, it's just he can't be around other dogs that are free. It, um, he, I have no idea what his previous um, right. life was like, but we know there was some type of violence because, um, you know, he's afraid of newspapers. Um, he's afraid of other dogs. Um, and so he, I don't know what was done to him, but he does not feel safe when yeah. he's around too much going on. Yeah. So, um, but it's also been good because, you know, he's, he's a good little guard dog. Um, he is super, him and my daughter, my youngest daughter have just bonded that like, you know, they're, I call them litter mates because they just like sleep on top of each other, like, like puppies yeah. do. So, um, you know, I think sometimes when you don't get to have a puppy from, from when the, the when you can influence their training. You just have to accept that they come with, with problems, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, he has his, his issues, his Mr. Red issues that he can't, he can't go to the beer gardens and, and do those fun things, but you know, he can live a pretty good you life. Come with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've, um, you know, we've fostered dogs that we have been able to do that with. And, you know, it, it may be in a, another time with another dog, but not Mr. Red. <laughs> My next step is crate training. Yeah. Because Jerry was already, he's, he's, he's been used to a, a crate. Like he can go in there for a while. He doesn't sleep in there though. Um, but both of them have taken to waking me up in the middle of the night to get up on the bed. So I like would love to get those little stairs. Oh yeah. But my bedroom is so small. Like I would trip over them. So every night, three o'clock, one dog, <laughs> Four o'clock, another dog, five o'clock, one wants to get down. <laughs> so, like, I'm not getting any sleep. Yeah. So now with the whole rabies thing, we ordered another crate. So they're each going to have their own separate crate. And tonight will be the first night that they that we leave them in the crate. And I said, you know, I don't care how much they cry. 
they're just going to have to, you know, just like with the babies, we let them cry it out when they were in the crib. And adjust. And I don't know what my daughter's thinking is going to be about that, but it went for us. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I um. So speaking of like the the baby in the crib thing, um, you know, I I'm not against it, but I couldn't do it <laughs> because I I don't know. I, I just couldn't sit. Like I, it just bothered me so much, and I was just like, you know, their dad was like, no, they've got to they've got to adjust, they've got to cry it out, and I was like if this is what we're doing, then like, I, I can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear it because it's, I guess it's maybe just auditory. Like, yeah, because it's, I don't know. It was just like a trigger in, I just could not listen to yeah. them cry. Even though I knew like they'd get over it. It wasn't going <laughs> to was long-term, yeah. you know, if they weren't in danger, they weren't hurting like physically. I just could not do it. So um, I haven't done it with dogs or cats or anything like that. As far as like, uh, Mr. Red is fine with crate training. He didn't cry or anything to, to be alone, and the cats kind of do their own thing. But I don't know. It was it was very hard <laughs> with, yeah. with the babies. But yeah, I, I, so if your daughter is like that, where I, where she's like, I can't listen to it. I I, I understand yeah. that. And they're in a tiny space. Like yeah. they have. You've been in my casita. Yeah. They're in about that same size. Um, so it's, yeah. it's going to be really hard for them to, <laughs> yeah. to not be hearing the babies. So yeah. They have two chihuahuas as well. <laughs> so we're, we're waiting to see how the chihuahuas react to baby actually arriving. In yeah. So. Well, hopefully they become like what you see, on, you know, where they're I know. interested. We and... have pictures of him like on her belly. <laughs> yeah. So one of them. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I had a boxer when I was pregnant with, well, yeah, with, with, with serenity for sure i think the boxer was after sierra was born but um yeah when you bring them home they're just like what is that little thing and yeah. <laughs> sniffing them out and um they become like really good buddies and so yeah. hopefully that's how things turn out um, well i had cats when my babies were little and you know the old wives tale that the cat mm -hmm. would like lie down on the baby's neck and suffocate it yeah i was terrified of that so yeah. we always had to make sure that the dogs were somewhere else. So. <laughs> well, we are nearing up to 30 minutes. Okay. So I think I'm going to go ahead and, whoops, now I have a timer going off here with me. <laughs> so I think we're going to go ahead and sign off. Right. And by the way, my concha earrings, shout out to Desire Jewelry Designer. She is local. I'm going to put her info in the notes. And I have a concha from... Panaderia Jimenez here to go along with my concha earrings. So come on over, check it out. And Janelle is going to be back on as an actual guest. We're going to talk about like community involvement and um, the shifting neighborhoods and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. So I'll see you well, next time. I'm so glad you have, came over here. It was <laughs> yeah, fun. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. my good friend Janelle for a little cafecito. I hope you check out this great neighborhood spot, Panaderia Jimenez on Fredericksburg in San Antonio. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and follow me on social media at Somos Pasionarias so that you can meet all these amazing, passionate women and hear more of their stories. Nos vemos!